Hi, Lisa Tamadi here, and welcome back to Pushing the Limits. It's fantastic to have you again. This week I have a wonderful guest, my friend Guy Lawrence from Australia, who is uh, an expert in meditation and demystifying meditation and using the language of neuroscience. So he, he gets rid of all the woo-woo and gives you all the real relevant information about why meditation is really important. Um, we talk about altered states of consciousness. We even get into some quantum physics. Um, and he's a fantastic guest. So I'd love you to check out the show. Now before we get underway, um, you can reach out to me, Lisa at lisatarmity.com if you've got any questions around running, fitness, mindset, any of the topics that we've discussed today, you can find me there. You can also see us on our website at lisatarmity.com. Now we just wanted to let you know too that we've got a live weekend retreat coming up on the 31st of August and 1st of September in Havelock North in the North Island of New Zealand and we would love you to come and join us. You can head over to lisatarmody.com to find out more about that running retreat uh, and yeah, take some time please to rate and review the show if you find this of help. Uh, the content that we produce, we really, really appreciate it. It helps the show get a lot more exposure, the more reviews and ratings we get. Um, and we love sharing this great content, uh, content with you and uh, having wonderful guests on. So I really appreciate you doing that. Now, the last thing I wanted to me uh, mention before we get underway is that we have a seven-day free trial running on our Running Hot Coaching Online Run Training Club. Now, it only costs five US dollars a week to be a part of this club, but you don't even have to risk the five dollars. Come and join us, see what it's all about, find out how, how our holistic run training sessions work, all our programs, get access to all the different programs from 5Ks right up to ultra marathon. So that's the seven-day free trial. You can find that at runninghotcoaching.com or just drop us a line. Right, now over to the show. Well, hi everybody, Lisa Tamadi here at Pushing the Limits. It's fantastic to have you all back again. And today I have my friend Guy Lawrence all the way from Australia with me uh, on Zoom today. So how are you, Guy? I'm magnificent, Lisa. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Now, Guy and I have actually uh, connected through uh, a mutual friend, Kerwin Ray, who's... Uh, huge in Australia and, and soon to be huge worldwide, I think, and uh, both learned a lot from, from Kerwin. So thanks, Kerwin, for that, if you happen to listen to this. Um, and I was on Guy's show a couple of weeks ago, the Guy Lawrence podcast, which I highly recommend you guys go and listen to. And today, Guy and I are just going to be chewing the fat and having a bit of a fireside uh, chat about everything around meditation, around consciousness, about Guy's past and all the specialist knowledge that Guy's collected over a very long time. And this guy really knows an awful lot about an awful lot. So I'm interested to see where this conversation goes. So welcome to the show, Guy, and thanks for taking the time today. Yeah, no, brilliant. I'll be interested to see where it goes to. I find um, the deeper we go, the more tangents it goes off to. So um, yeah, hit me with whatever you want and I'll do my best if I have an answer for it. <laughs> yeah, no, I just, uh, I love just talking to super interesting people that have, that have achieved a lot. So Guy, give the listeners though, who don't know you a bit of a background on who you are, where you live, what you've done in your life. Yeah, sure. Uh, well, as you can tell, I have a very tropical accent. I'm from Wales, uh, all the way from the UK. And, uh, and similar to, you know, the guys from New Zealand, very passionate about rugby. I mean, I, I grew up, I, as soon as I could pick up a rugby ball, I had one in my hand. And, uh, and for the next 15 years, from the age of six till I was 21, 
rugby was my religion. That's all I knew. How much beer I could drink and, and how I could play rugby on the weekend. And that was um, going back quite a, quite a while back, over 20 years ago now. But, um, you know, and, but it, it's interesting what even led me to this point today. Even back then, there was like this, this itch I couldn't scratch inside of me ever since I was a kid. And I always didn't know what it was, what it was. There was like this pull, this yearning, yearning. And um, it was just the strangest thing, Lisa. And f- from that, I, I couldn't settle. I couldn't settle for, I couldn't settle in relationships. I, I, I mean, I quit my rugby. I couldn't settle in jobs. And I, I just kind of was always a seeker and a searcher. It was really interesting. But through my 20s, that seeking and searching made me very unhappy. And I thought I was kind of broken to a degree. Mm-hmm. And, and I realized looking back, um, I was only having this conversation yesterday, looking back that I kind of constructed almost stories and beliefs about myself and my self-worth and who I was and what I was doing to, and it always denied by having that, those stories, it stopped me from actually living to my potential. Yeah. So, right. A common problem, I'd say. <laughs> yeah, very. And, and, but I couldn't see, I couldn't see the wood through the trees. And because um, I left school at 15 and I didn't really have any qualifications and, and I, was, I ended up being a plumber. Uh, but I, I, you know, I, I saw enough to see that out. I kind of was looking around in the world thinking, has everyone gone mad? Like everyone doesn't seem that happy. They go to jobs, they get mortgages, they get in, you know, they settle for things and, and, I wasn't, you know, my reality wasn't confirming seeing a lot of happiness. You know, it was, it was a struggling part of Wales. It was in a recession. Mm. It was just tough. And I just thought that was the way life was. So because I, I couldn't see happiness there, I didn't know where my happiness was. So I just went traveling and just was like a nomad, to be honest with you. And by the time I got to early 30s, I was getting really... Um, I was suffering from it at a deep level, but I didn't have any communication skills. I didn't know how to express my feelings. I'm a bloke, you know, and you, what do you do? You just suck it up and get on with it. And exactly, you know, my self-worth in my teens was all about how, how physical can I be on a rugby field and hurt somebody else within the rules of the law? Like it was, you know, and then how many beers could I drink? That was, and you know, but there was something in me that, I, like, I um, I actually think it was, I look at it all as a blessing now because that part of me that couldn't settle, I guess it allowed me to be free. So in the, in essence, when I was able to shift my, my, my story, my paradigm from being feeling sorry for myself, lack of self-worth, lack of belief, and be able to flip the switch, which I'm sure we'll get into today, um, and really start to go on a journey of self-discovery and find my purpose and align my head with my heart, if you like, and, and actually start to break down the old conditioning. I realized that the fact that I didn't have responsibilities and children and a mortgage, and even though I was in debt at the time when this was all going on in my 30s, um, I was like, wow. And I was be able to change my story. Yep. And then once I changed my story, it changed the way I perceived myself and saw myself, and then it was game on. And, um, and from there, I actually started a business uh, supplement company back in 2010, 
which was a long journey even to that point, a natural protein superfood. I'd, I'd been working with people with cancer at the time, wow. which, which was really interesting. Yeah, so I was a fitness trainer. I'd emigrated to Australia, and it was like the last roll of the dice by the time I got to uh, my 30th birthday. Um, I'd been accepted as residency for Australia, and I just thought, I'm going to go. I, I don't know what, where to go, but it was a clean start. Yeah. And, uh, and I got involved in the fitness industry, and I was working at the, the Sydney uh, UTS University down at Central Station there. And, and, and this chain of events started to happen where I was really getting fascinated and interested around health and fitness. And quite quickly, I was seeing the, what I'd been taught as a fitness trainer and actually what I was seeing in the, in the trenches yeah. were very different. Mm-hmm. And it was the first time my belief started to get shattered. And because I, once I started working with people who had cancer, I was kind of learning from a rogue charity that were saying, you know, we need to start looking at a paleolithic diet. We need to start cutting out all the processed foods, all the sugars. We need to get them actually moving and weight training to build muscles to help with a glycogen uptake. And, you know, because they were saying, you know, sugar, uh, glucose can feed cancer. There was all these conflicting things, but I'd never heard of any of this before. And this was like in 2007 and eight, and I was fascinated. And then, with working and seeing hundreds of people who had cancer, it was reaffirming my reality. I didn't need a science paper to go, this is what's happening, because I was seeing it with my own eyes. And people, were, yeah. yeah, people were benefiting from it. You know, it wasn't all rosy, but, and it also started teaching me about how precious life was and, and how much we really need to value each day. And, and that was probably a big, tipping point for me at that point where I started to drop my own stories and drop my own. um, I was able to put more, I don't know, more gratitude started to come into, into play and more actually appreciation for what I had at the time. Yeah. But I think when you're faced with people who are facing cancer or death or any of those or disabilities, it really whacks your world. eh? It sort of like makes you wake up and, stop complaining and starting to realize the power that you have as a person. Like, um, I really believe that we have so much power that is untapped within each of us, me still, you still, and, and most other people are just not even scratching the surface of what we're actually capable of. If we can free ourselves from the, the cages that we've built as young people or as children or from things that have happened to us or our culture that we were born into or our religion that we were born into has created these cages that limit our thinking and help us orientate in the world but then become very limiting for us when when it comes to reaching our potential and overcoming problems and seeing things from just from a new perspective. And this takes a little bit of maturity. And I know, you know, you know, our, our, our frontal cortex doesn't really develop until our early 20s. And I think for blokes, it's a little bit longer, to be honest. <laughs> I wonder if it develops at all for us blokes. <laughs> yeah, I've got, I've got a brother who's 48 now. I think it's still developing. Um, and, you know, like, and it, we, but we are growing and changing. And who we were as children or who we were when we were powerless and we adopted some of these beliefs we no longer are, and this is something that I, you know, am passionate about teaching is that, you know, that little kid that was told they were dumb at school because they were at seven or eight year old level and they couldn't do their spelling bee or whatever is not 
anything to do with the 30-year-old standing in front of you or the 40-year-old, you know? And that you can let go of that crap and start to really rearrange things in your head. So how did you progress? Because, you know, the, the, the rugby, the tough guy image, the you know, to starting to develop into who you've become. So you've started this nutrition company, which mm. was it originally aimed at, at helping people with cancer who are fighting cancer? No, the, the concept came from that because, because we, the, the people that set it up, they weren't, because they had them weight training, they wanted to increase their protein intake, but the, the cancer patients would be emailing them and say, can I use this protein? Can I use that protein to, to yeah. help like a shake? And, and they were looking at the ingredients and saying, ah, stay away. This is, this is going to not be detrimental. This is going to inhibit you. And, and yet yeah, I'm sitting in a fitness industry, which is supposed to represent health. Yeah. And, and I'm thinking, is this really healthy, you know, taking this chemical concoction of protein? And that was the industry back then, you know, and, and, and this kind of radical idea of, well, can't we just create something natural and dress it up as, you know, so it's actually a raw protein um, yeah. food. So it's actually food and fiber and nutrients and all the vitamins and minerals and stuff like that. So, so, so there was naturopaths involved in that and, and there was a formulator um, uh, conceptualized. And then I just started saying, look, I'd like to distribute it at the university. And I, I think I'd like to see if uh, it was almost like my testing ground. Wow. And within 12 months, I was selling a lot of this within the uni at the staff how, on it. How did you get it formulated? Did you go to a laboratory or you know, how, do, how do you do something like that? So because it was just because it was only food, I, it wasn't it wasn't necessary. Once you start playing around with other things, then that's when FDA and all that kind yep. of things come in but yeah. but but manufacturers it's just been able to find the right manufacturer and the right people that are already in place that are willing to put something together for you right see? so 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 then i was been able to um just sell that within the university and then there was traction starting to happen and then i met my business partner in 2010 I was very inspired by this point i had no clue what i was doing on how to set to get to get it out there to the yeah. world yeah. Um, and that's when, you know, Tim Ferriss and Gary Vanderchuk and, and these guys started to become my kind of role models. I was reading their books back then and, and I took to the internet, you know, and I ended up starting up a podcast and myself, my business partner, Stu, at the time, we formed um, a, a company called 180 Nutrition and we just started taking it to the online space and CrossFit was taking off at the time. Yeah. Huge. It was slowly coming in and I was, uh, they, they kind of had a really strong ethos and um and we just grew and we just kept putting energy into it and from that um by 2014 we were up for the telstra business awards uh we were a multi-million dollar company wow and it was like and it was kind of this really raw context because it was the first time there's a huge story um let me just kill i got something bouncing on my screen yeah uh, <laughs> yeah you know there's a huge context because i found myself in the even prior to uh, the start one eighty nutrition, I was I was yearning and searching, and I, I ended up trading the stock market. And I was uh, and while I was a fitness trainer because I had this belief in my head that I could uh, make money and then go and do what I loved. Yeah. But I realized I had to do what I loved, and then the Thank the God. abundance would follow. <laughs> and and because I'd been so moved by what I was seeing with the cancer patients and helping them, I cut a very long story short. I wanted to bring this product then into the mainstream. Just 
everyday folk, you know, they, you know, and, and the thing took off and, um, and it was a huge lesson for me about really following my, my heart and my intuition, because I know Ku and Raim speaks about the Mack truck, the feather and the brick, you know, at different levels, you might hear a whisper and, and it feels like a tickle. And then you might get a few rocks in your head from the universe saying, wake up. And then one day, if you keep ignoring it, a Mack truck will run you over and you might survive or you might not. Yeah. So I was aware of, of these things. So when I started to just actually intuitively listen to myself and not think too much about it, I couldn't see the way. I couldn't see the how. Yeah. I just had a big enough why. Wow. And, and it was really powerful. So I just kept going. And I had nothing to lose. Like I said, I had no responsibilities. I had no, I, I had no excuse. Lucky and yeah, you had the time and the space to actually go and invest in learning and develop. Yeah. As you yeah. On the fly. On the fly. And, and, and I was prepared to, honestly, I got, because I was in such a predicament in life anyway, where all my ships were burned. I was just, I was just ready to go. I would have gone homeless, honestly, to make it happen. Like I, I genuinely felt that strongly about it. And, and it was with that conviction and, and fully surrendering, something beautiful came of it, yep. you know, and it allowed me to explore. <laughs> Yeah, it allowed me to start to, and because of the podcast, which we started back in, I think it was 2012, um, when podcasting wasn't so popular back then, our podcast took off again fairly quickly because of the success of the company. And, you know, we were, we were achieving a lot of downloads each month. And, and that allowed me to start reaching out to uh, some, some of my heroes, some of the nice. popular names. I just started going, you know what, well, I'm just going to see if they come on. And, uh, and I got to know a lot of people through that. Heck yeah, you've got a list of people on your, you know, even your, your now podcast. Yeah, yeah. Big names that I'm just going, holy heck, how the hell did you get them all? <laughs> you know, but it's, it's 10 years in the making, really, yeah. even though, even though um, Let It In and what I do now is only 18 months in. Mm -hmm. You know, I got 10 years of wisdom behind me to know what to apply and, and bring in. But what it was doing, it was really starting to open me up to the, the work of the self. And terms like quantum physics started coming up and terms even like neuroscience. I didn't even know what neuroscience was for 10, 15 years ago, you know, and not that I'm a scientist or anything, but it was a language that I started to look at and hear and learn. And because of my experiences from this transition from moving from my head to my heart, there was a lot of things being said that I actually got because I had already embodied the work yep. unknowingly. And then all of a sudden, here was a blueprint and a language and terms like meditation kept coming up as well and, and coming from an attitude of gratitude. And, and before, they were just philosophy. Yeah, they were just quotes in a book. Yeah, you know, and, and, I, and I was already starting to read books like Wayne Dyer and Deepak Chopra and I'd been listening, I've been to a Tony Robbins seminar and, and Eckhart Tolle and all these guys. And, and all of a sudden, there was there was a shift in my own awareness, my own consciousness. And from that, I kept delving in. But because I started delving in even deeper, what I noticed was my myself was unraveling even more. Mm -hmm. So who I thought I'd been and what I told myself, there was this just layer upon layer upon layer. And it kind of seems even strange to hear that if it's for the first time. But as you start looking within, which I think is the greatest journey of all, mm -hmm. um, I was starting to unravel even more. And from that unraveling, I realized by about 2016 that 
I needed, I wasn't happy in 180 nutrition anymore. And, and that was a big deal for me because it, it was a lot of my identity was wrapped up in it. The success was wrapped up in it. Yeah. We were in this partnership and, and, and I, and I felt I could, I needed to go in a different direction. And, um, and then I had to process all that, but, uh, over a two year period, um, by the end of, you know, beginning of 2018, I had made a very conscious decision and spoke with my business partner, Stu, and we, we parted ways amicably and, and, um, and he continued with 180 and I, I stepped down and sold out to embark on the new journey. But I knew because I, I was feeling the rocks coming though. <laughs> I was having the tickles and the rocks. And then it was like this time, if I don't act now, I know a Mack truck is going to come. And what have I learned from it almost coming and taking me out before? So this time I needed to be wiser and, and trust this part. And if I was going to teach this work, then I had to really walk the talk. Yep. So I fully, I just sold out and, and left it, left your left it and, and just started again. And, and it, was, it was terrifying and exciting. It was everything rolled into one. And I was like, I, I just didn't know how I was going to do it again. But I knew why. And, and I knew I had to go that direction. I knew it was like over there. Yep. So I'm just going to, try and draw upon all my skill sets to start. So that's about like being courageous and going all in and following your heart, even though when you look at it from an economic standpoint or from a safety standpoint or, or your family or, or, or whatever, then often these situations and decisions are very hard to make, to walk away from things. And I think so many people settle because what where they are is safe. The mortgage is being paid, the bills are being paid, you know, the wife or the husband's happy. You might be miserable in what you're doing, but you know, it's very hard to break out of that 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 cage that you're in again, and to go off into the unknown and to leave, especially when you've been very successful, to leave something big behind and then go on into the next part of your life, the next adventure. So that takes a whole lot of courage to do that. It, it does. And the one thing I want to the point I'd love to get across as well is for me, like courage is, is almost like a muscle. So I, I could only bench, like I could only bench press so much courage, if you like, yeah. like only so much weight. So as long as I'm, I, you know, it's almost like you've, like they say, you find the, you know, on the other side of your comfort zone is freedom. So I would find my edges and I knew how much I could bench press, if you like, encourage in terms of how far am I going to leap out? Cause I have leapt out too far before, and then I couldn't handle it. And I kind of kind of came crawling back, like yeah. battered bruise. I think, Phew, I'm not going to go that, that yeah. courageous, yeah. that so soon. So it's about knowing what you can handle. But if you live a very comfortable life and you haven't had, you know, there's no pressure, no diamond, right? Like it's like if, if, you're, if you're constantly avoiding the difficult situations and the difficult things, if something gets presented for you that you're not ready for, it can almost feel like, uh, 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 your life can collapse because we're not used to dealing with it. So, so in other words, what I really started to learn to do and what this work does, it keeps you sharp. It's mm -hmm. almost like you're getting your courage fitness going. And, and once you start aligning, aligning the head with the heart and, and looking at this, you can start to find your edges and lean in. I always say you just got to lean in. Yeah. And it was through that leaning in and doing the work when this bigger courageous step needed to happen, I was ready. You know, yeah. I was prepared. I, I'd almost like been training for my, 
whatever my mission or whatever right. it was, even though I didn't know what it was, then I could step in. It wasn't like, yeah, I'm just going to throw it all away and, and yeah. boom. It's not a, and so it has, it wasn't an impulsive step to just drop everything because you'd had a bad day. That's uh, right. Decided to chat, which most of us have those days on a, on a weekly basis <laughs> <laughs> where we go, ah, I'm going to chuck it all because I had some bad situation happen that, uh, or whatever. And you want to chuck it. This is different. This is, this is a plan, um, escape or, or change of direction. Um, how do you start to listen? Cause I'm very big into uh, listening to the heart, listening to the gut, the fact that there's neural tissue in our, in our hearts and our, in our stomachs and that the, the mind body connection is so deeply integrated. And I, know, I think you're, um, with me on this hmm. uh, side of things. How do people get out of their logical thinking heads and start to listen to what their body is saying, their heart, their, their, their stomach, their, uh, not just the prefrontal uh, frontal cortex. Yeah. Like I think a lot of us are in this logical and trying to overthink and analyze and, and work things out. And a lot of these big decisions in life are very much jumps into, you know, the unknown because there are a lot of, there's a lot of uncertainty. How do you start to listen with your heart? How do you start to listen with your stomach, you know, and get that gut feeling for something and that intuition? Yeah. It's a real thing. It's not um, a hairy fairy. It's a, uh, I think I mentioned to you last time, I'm reading a book called The Molecules of Emotion, which I'm telling everybody to read. It's an awesome book. Um, and, you know, that there are receptors for all our hormones all over our bodies. Um, you know, from our lung tissue to our uh, sexual organs, to our heart, to our, to our stomachs. And these are where, you know, a lot of the memories are stored in different parts of our bodies and um, very complicated science that I'm certainly not qualified to <laughs> uh, regurgitate. But the, the interconnectedness, this, this is written by a top scientist who talks about the interconnectedness of the brain with the body and that it's not like medical the medical world is very much you know from here up or from here down this is a very much a connected piece and we're not just a piece of machinery we are we are much more than just um machines you know totally um and that a, a lot of our emotions a lot of our intuition and all those things are actually real they're just we've got to learn to tap into them and listen to them yeah yeah and i, I think that the yeah and i've got to get that book by the way it's the second time a third time I've heard it. I think I heard it from you before, but molecules of motion. Yeah. Um, look, there's a, there's a few things that spring to mind. First of all, you've got to remember that um, most of Westerners these days haven't been uh, brought up, raised, or taught to listen to your intuition. And so, so if if you think of things, um, if you're not trained in a skill set, then it can be feel like a very foreign concept, and you've got a bunch of beliefs systems getting in the way. Now us Westerners are constantly distracted and we are constantly running from the fight or flight. We're, we're generally in a stress response mm -hmm. very often mm -hmm. and we are sending a very different signal to the body when we're in that place. Now I would challenge most people to say, some people can say, Oh, I'm not that stressed, but the stressed environment of the body can feel so familiar that you've been running on the hormones of stress for so long. That's just house. That's just how you know it to be. It's almost like people don't know what it's like not to have sugar in their diet because they've had sugar in their diet their whole life. And, and, and it's really interesting concept. So, so the first thing we've got to be aware of is that we're constantly distracted and we're normally constantly in a stress state. And I would challenge anyone if they go on holiday 
and they find themselves shutting down after a few days, then they clearly were in a stress state beforehand, you know? So, so you see from, it down and relax. Yeah. When you finally slow down, right? Yeah. So for me, I'm, I, I start to become aware of that. And I also think about then, well, what controls the autonomic nervous system? Mm right and what what can start to get us back into the the simp, uh, from sympathetic into parasympathetic because as far as i'm concerned once you're in a, in a more relaxed state you're then you're then able to sort of see the situations and things for how they are yes. and from that place you can start to tune into feeling more so where do we generally start to want to learn to feel from now for me what i what i've learned and the heart math institute i've got a lot of studies around this but it's the, so i've heard that one before yeah well the heart influences the autonomic nervous system as right. well as the brain so so instead of perceiving a situation so what we normally do we normally look exter from external and we're looking through our sense, our five senses mainly. That's interpreted information, and then we, and then the nervous system becomes a filter, and then we send a signal to the body. Mm -hmm. So we look at a situation and go, "That equals this." I'm going to have an auto automatic stress response because I've done it so many times. I subcon everything's going on at a nanosecond, right? Yeah. And then we send in the signal to the body. The body fires in a certain way. Hence, you fire and wire in a certain way, and you end up in a stress state. Now, so what about if we stop waiting for the external circumstance to happen and we started training that nervous system from the inside out? So, so then we could start sending a different signal to the body that would allow us and help us to start to perceive situations differently to the way we've subconsciously trained ourselves our whole lives. Wow, that's gold. Right? So why not then let's do that? Hence, gratitude. So what about if I start having a practice daily? Because I know this is a skill set. I want to start developing my intuition. What about if I know the heart influences the autonomic nervous system just as much as the way I'm perceiving it? And then I actually start sending a signal from the heart out to the nervous system Breathe. instead. Yeah. And that signal, now, interestingly enough, with a heart and brain connection, obviously we've got the gut, the heart, and the brain with the nervous system running all the way through to each one. Yep. The heart actually sends 80 to 90% of the signals to the brain, not, the other, not the other way around. Now, if you're willing to close your eyes for a moment, get, tell your body it's safe, get rid of all the distractions, and bring your awareness and start to breathe in and out of the heart and start generating a different emotion, mm -hmm. an elevated emotion, then when you generate an elevated emotion like love or gratitude, love we know uh, produces oxytocin, it's a hormone that's actually going to send a very different signal to the body, which creates a chemical, right? So you, you're then creating a different feeling. So why not start training the body to chemically produce different hormones, yes. create different feelings that generate that counteract the stress states? Mm -hmm. So if you're willing to start practicing that daily, Hence, it's a great place to start with meditation. Exactly. Yeah. Then you're going to start sending a different signal. So as you stop distracting yourself, as you turn your phone off and stop looking at it 85 times a day, I think the average time is or five hours on Facebook or everything is constantly distraction. We don't allow ourselves to be and feel and just honor where we're at. Yeah. We're human <laughs> beings, not human doings. 
Exactly, exactly. So to help develop our intuition, then we need to develop it. We need to start practicing the skill set. And, and what, like I was fortunate because I was quite a feeler anyway. I trusted that feeling. Like it's shown that the heart can produce an electromagnetic field. Yeah. And the electromagnetism is 60 to 90 times more powerful than what the brain produces. That's right, yeah. Now that's a lot. Yeah. So that means we can actually have a field of energy, and what does it, so all energy, all electricity, all electromagnetic field, all carries information. Okay, and that information is just interpreted differently to the mind because the mind needs intellect, and we need a language, and each word that is broken down that we've learned over the years carries a certain meaning to us and then an interpretation. But that doesn't mean we can't learn through other information. It's just uh, receiving it in a different format. Mm -hmm. And the words that we learn, we, we normally have meaning to that. That means there's normally a charge behind it as well from the words of how we perceive them to be. Yeah. Now with the heart, you can actually end up generating an electromagnetic field up to three meters in diameter. Yeah. So as you start to develop this and this, this field of information that can start to come out, and you can start to feel it. If you do this work long enough, you can really dial in. And then all of a sudden, that field is communicating with other fields from other people. And then, then all of a sudden, you start have, there's a knowingness that starts to come through instant, instantaneously. And, and that's where intuition is starting to come from. Now, if you look at quantum physics, where they've done a lot of tests, uh, the heart math again, I've done a lot of tests. I'm going to go deep for a sec, but I might as well. I'm on a roll. Yeah, yeah I'm on um, This is exactly what I'm into right now. Where they, um, they found that they took two photons of light and um, basically made them kiss, hug, and make love to each other and then separate them and they separated them over a certain distance. And when they tickled one photon of light, the other one responded at the, at the exact same time, wow. even though they were miles apart. So that meant they had to be connected in some way beyond our current space and time. Because normally to send information, it has to cover a certain amount of space to get from A to B, and it takes a certain amount of time to get there. Yeah. But because it was happening instantaneously, it meant that actually, it's actually connected beyond our space and time. Yeah. So, so now we're starting to get into what's known as the quantum field. Or I had NASA physicist Tom Campbell on my podcast last year, and he talked called it zero-point consciousness mm. or zero-point field. So then you've got a question, then we're actually swimming in this field of energy that yeah. makes up the entire universe. And which we, is we are influencing that energy with our energy correct but it's connected but it's beyond our current paradigm of 3d reality yeah we can't see it we can't but it's there yeah it's it's there you know award-winning scientist nasim hasima um who i'm trying to get on my podcast at the moment look at his work and um it's unbelievable like these guys are like einstein yeah. so so, what, so the way I start to see it now is that if we're connected to this field of energy, that's when we have downloads, that's when we have these spontaneous moments of trusting. So as we develop our own heart, our own awareness, our own feeling, our own intuition, that starts to, there's this connection that starts to come more and you start to trust that more and that relationship comes more.
you know, and that's what, what we, I do in my retreats. We give people enough space over three days and it'll be five days over um, uh, next year as well where we can get people out of their heads. Yeah. We can get them to drop deep and you start to get into these altered states and you really start to connect to this unified field. And then information starts to come through and it's quite profound. Yeah. And when you have an experience like that, it changes the game because you start to a question, you start to question everything, but it also helps eradicate a lot of fundamental fears. And if people like I did, I always used to make decisions based upon fear and this restriction and button down the hatches and, and hold back. But then I'm, it's like I'm, I'm holding my back from my own potential. But if, as I learn to connect and flourish and trust and lean in and, and actually make decisions trusting this intuition, trusting this feeling, even though it challenges my own beliefs and stuff starts coming up. And that's where what I teach becomes pivotal because meditation is all about metacognition, which means being the observer and how we start to handle that. And then once we start to get overcome ourselves, we can learn how to connect deeper with this, with ourselves and lean in even more. And then eventually you end up, this becomes your new paradigm, your, your new way of, your, the way of life. And you look back and you go, wow, I can't even remember my old self. Yeah, yeah. You know? Yeah. So how, what would you say to people who are listening to this and going, well, that sounds a bit hairy-fairy to me and a bit spiritual and a bit out there? Mm. Uh, because this is, like, you're talking quantum physics. You're talking, well, I've been talking about, you know, neuroscientists and psychoneuroimmunologists. And these are, these are very, very extremely bright people who are bringing these theories that have been around often for a long time in the Eastern philosophies and Chinese philosophies. Um, and actually what, what, what I'm seeing in the, in the research and the, the readings that I'm doing is that a lot of the stuff that they've been talking about for thousands of years and they know to work in the Eastern philosophies has actually now come full circle that the scientists are actually proving that actually, yeah, there is this invisible energy field. There is these connections, you know, the quantum physics and all of that sort of stuff is really starting to heart math institute. The, 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 these are very extremely bright people beyond what we, you know, anything we could ever understand, but they're actually starting to say, now this is not hairy-fairy rubbish. This is actually real mm -hmm. science and that things are happening on an on a actual cellular level. Um, you know, I think that that's, for me, that's explained a whole lot more. And I don't have the, the vocabulary yet because I, I have only been studying this area for a short time to be able to explain it to people. But I, I can feel it in my own body when I do things right. And yeah. I'm, um, you know, very much like I've heard for years that meditation is good for me, right? And I'm like, I t totally agree, but I'm too busy, you know. And I go for a run and that's my meditation. And yes, that is to a certain degree a, a certain type of meditation. Um, but I now understand that it's really important to quiet the brain, especially if you're a you know you're like me, you're constantly on the edge of performance. You're, you're trying to up your performance all the time. You're, you're busy as hell. You're, you've got a billion people pulling at you and a billion messages coming in, and you know you're, you're dealing with a couple of companies and life's chaos. And to find that quiet time, what I've found even just in the last couple of weeks since we've spoken is 
just a little bit more joy creeping in and a little bit more gratitude creeping in and a little bit more waking up with a, let's go to work, you know, rather than I've just woken up and I've got to go groundhog day, you know? Yeah. <laughs> which, which, you know, things have been a bit groundhog day for a while <laughs> uh, when you're fighting to, you know, keep things going and afloat. Um, and you lose, start to lose that, that joy that you had when you were a young person um, starts to come back when you start doing this meditation, when you start to understand the nervous system and the, you, you were talking about the parasympathetic and the sympathetic nervous system. Let's explain that to people for a starters. What is the difference and what, why does meditation and deep breathing and uh, these sort of things help the parasympathetic nervous system and what is it actually doing on a mechanical level, if you like? Well, I mean, the, the simplest way to look at it, you've got fight or flight mm -hmm. or rest or repair. And we, we, we constantly, most of us are in fight or flight, mm -hmm. you know. And we can have all sorts of stress, chemical, physical, and emotional. And there's what's called an allostatic load, meaning we can have stress from not eating the right foods, for instance. We can have stress from the gut. There's another loading point because our gut is, is in health. We can have stress from the chemicals that we use as to put on our skin or the products we use. We could have stress from uh, a work situation that is not going well. There's another stress, or we're struggling because we're financially hardship. There's another stress. And all of a sudden, we've got this load that continues to put pressure on us yeah okay yeah and we start to and we are constantly perceiving the lens of the world through that load through that fight or flight so we can only focus on any given situation or any one time generally we focus on how we feel <laughs> and we see so we see things the way we feel that they are they're not necessarily that way so we we end up having a very biased lens now when you're in rest and repair everything's much more open you're allowing the nervous system shuts down if you look at bruce bruce lipton's got an amazing lecture online bruce lipton wrote the biology of belief mm -hmm. an amazing book and if you think of it from a cellular level if you're in fight or flight and you're a community of 75 trillion cells that community is in, is in fighting mode ready. It's battening down the hatches. So everything is actually closed off. And when things are closed off, ready for fighting, nothing gets in, even at a cellular level. So that's, you know, we're talking about then inflammation has come in and low-grade inflammation, and there's a constant breakdown at that point. So if you're, if you're feeling a certain way and perceiving the world a certain way from this allostatic load and, and constantly in this, this fear-based response, subconsciously you've trained the body that way, the body's become that familiar with it. So it doesn't really matter how well you're eating or how well you're doing things. If you're constantly in that place, it ain't getting in, mm. right? And then we start to have breakdown over time. So for me, and meditation is just the first step, if you are willing to sit down and overcome those feelings and overcome 
that thinking. Because we, ultimately, if you start looking at us and metacognition, we are not our thoughts. We are not our feelings. Mm -hmm. We are beyond that, and we can observe that. Mm -hmm. And then we're able to bring a different level of curiosity into what's going on, but it's really hard because the body has become so dependent on the way we think and the way we feel because we produce chemicals that continue to produce that response. And for me, that's why meditation is so important because if you're willing to sit down in silence and not distract yourself and start to learn how to overcome what's going on, and it's going to, it's bloody harder first. Yeah, yeah. Right? And there's so many different techniques and different ways of doing it. Now. But as you start to overcome that, you start to learn about yourself. You start, you, you, you're, you're willing to go there and go the distance where people aren't. And from that space, because you're not constantly having information input in, you're able to then go within and start to see it. And then all of a sudden, it becomes an inside job. And then from that, you start to take ownership. You start to take ownership of yourself. You start to take responsibility for yourself. You start to take responsibility for your actions. And you can start to cultivate a strength that comes from the inside out. And that's a game changer. So as we then start to do that, we, we then become, we start waking up, we start to become more conscious. And then we start making more conscious decisions. We start to go, oh, maybe I shouldn't eat that right now. Or, may, or maybe I can reflect upon the way I spoke to that person today and I was a bit of a dick. And I, you know, and I responded because I was already because something is upset me because I'm struggling to pay this bill or, or whatever it might be. Reactions, yeah. Yeah, and, and then from there, we really start to, to, to bring that power back to ourselves. And, and, and you're actually affecting the nervous system. And you can actually get this work, I believe, to a point where instead of running from 70% or 20% of the hormones of stress, you can actually do it the other way around where you're running from 78% to the hormones of joy and love and gratitude. And then you don't want for anything external to, the, to fill the empty hole because <laughs> you're already feeling whole and complete yeah. from the inside. So, so, and then because you're not wanting for that because you're already content, more things start to flow your way and, and, and you start to get out of these stressed responses. And you really start to see the world in a different lens over time. And when you get to that point, it is so beautiful and it's so powerful. Because, and you know, and I've got to remind myself, don't, you know, I don't walk around like Buddha every day, mate. Okay. But, <laughs> but I'm really learning how to enjoy the journey as well as the shit that gets thrown at me and as well as striving for a better future. But I always bring it back to today, you know. I always try and bring it back to that is, yeah. now. Now is what we have right now. This conversation, we, you know, the the, yep. the things that are there. And how do you stop the striving? You know, like as a high performance, and I've asked this to a couple of people lately because it's obviously something that I'm working through. When you're a high performance person, you've always pushed the limits. You're always going for it. Uh, and you're constantly pushing more out of yourself, getting that last inch, running that, you know, one more kilometre, running, you know, pushing harder, fighting more, getting that next bit. 
and you you have that that's your paradigm that you work from you know if i work harder i fight harder i never give up i push through boundaries um how do you bring that back so that you can still enjoy the, the actual where you are now instead of being constantly in the future which is something i tend to do you know yeah. i know that i tend to be always looking to the goal to the vision and i and i create amazing results in some areas you know like incredible things but at the expense of the now you know and yeah. At the expense of sometimes joy and relaxation and and just yeah happiness in the beating the now. It's the golden ticket, right? It, yeah, it, I haven't worked that one out yet. But I believe that we we if you we self-analyze ourselves all the way back through our lives, we end up having trained behaviors, and they become so familiar. With they become so familiar to us. And the way we feel, the moment we step out of that feeling of that striving that, you know, we, yeah. that we've probably made um, an association that if I do this, okay. it's going to allow me to feel yeah. fulfilled. Yeah. My self-worth goes up. I'm yeah. more significant, you know. But that's all going on subconsciously. And we're actually, there's a, there's, a, there's a feeling within the body that we have got accustomed to. Now, if we don't do that, and we're not at that element of striving, then there's an element of maybe guilt. Mm -hmm. But even if we have guilt, that has to produce a hormone or produce a chemical to produce a feeling of guilt. Mm -hmm. So there's a chemical response going on there. Or if we feel shame or lack of self-worth or whatever these emotional states are, we, 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 the body is accustomed to it feeling that way too. So all of a sudden we end up, if we're not striving, we're then in an unknown. And we don't know how to deal with that unknown because it's unknown. It's new to us. Mm. We don't know how to sit with it. So to answer your question, that's why meditation can become so powerful is because you're learning to sit in these uncomfortable states. Yeah. You're learning to, to have a relationship with how your body is. So instead of striving, 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 which is keeping us distracted, 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 or us away from these these feelings that we might not have dealt with at some deeper level. Very much, yeah. We're not running from them all of a sudden. We're aware that, hey, if I keep striving for this, it's only keeping me more distracted for this because when I get to this and I've achieved this, I'm on to the next thing. Yeah, yeah. And then I'm on to the next thing, right? So then we're actually pulling in this relationship with the self and start the, that's the work. That's the beauty of this work. And as you start to break down those those states of being and you start to overcome them the, the body because the body holds memory mm. right and 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 it, it starts to release and you move an energy from one form into another and it dissipates and the charge dissipates with it so you end up in these things where you go actually i feel content yeah. i feel good right now I'm, I've, I'm not it's life's good right now. This is good. And, and you, you can kind of go, you know what? I'm not going to do that tomorrow. I'm going to enjoy my time this extra half hour with this person at the coffee shop right now, instead of moving on to the next thing. And then the next thing. Run, and run, we, run. we, and we run, 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 run. Yeah. But we have to do the work. We've yeah. really got to train the body. And I, I like, I like to hit it from both angles from the begin at the beginning. And that's to have a meditation practice. And then during the day is do another small meditation um, from a gratitude practice. We're going into the heart. Mm. 
And then as you marry them up, you, 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 you're taming the wild stallion <laughs> that runs riot all the time. And as you overcome that, your state starts to change. And that's just, that's just the beginning of this stuff. Because then like the stuff that we were talking about earlier, you can start to get deeper with it then. But you've got to break, you've got to break those states. The cycle of, yeah. I've been um, visiting a, psycho a psychologist for the last few weeks. Um, when we lost our baby uh, three months ago, I decided. Oh, sorry. Yeah, we, um, and, and I decided, I've never been to a psychologist before, but I think I need to do something because the grief, you know, and I, I didn't want to, to internalize it and become a problem somewhere in my life. And, and I've had, you know, quite a, quite a few traumas in my life. <laughs> Big stack. Most of us have, but I've had some whoppers. Um, and so, and she's been teaching me about uh, the internal family system, which has been an interesting uh, concept. Um, this has been developed by, I, I forget the um, doctor's name now, but you have different parts of your personality. So this is not schizophrenia, that we all have uh, different parts of our personality. We have things like the critic, you know, that might've been the parent or the teacher or the whoever it was in your life, the partner who's always telling you, you should have done this. And he, you know, he's the one that's, or she's the one that's um, always very critical of you and pushing you hard and is concerned with how you show up in the world. Mm -hmm. And their job, they have a job, they have a positive job, but they can become out of control. Um, and then you might have uh, the fireman. And the fireman's job in your mind is to stop you feeling anything. So anytime you start to have these emotions that have been trapped somewhere because you haven't processed them, say that, you know, in our case, death of the baby or um, something horrific that's happened to you and you haven't processed it, um, then the fireman, every time those feelings start to come up and you get triggered by something, then he'll come out and start putting the fire out by doing things like making you work harder or go and, go and eat that chocolate or going down a bottle of wine or, you know, uh, go run a million miles, which is one I used a lot in the past. Um, and his, his job is really to distract you so that you don't do that deep work. Because they're scared of that memory, that, that emotion coming out and being uncontrollably too intense for you. So his job is to keep the fire down, if you like. But that in itself becomes a problem. So she gets it to you. Um, the psychologist has, has got, us, got me looking at the different aspects within myself. You know, I have a very, very strong critic, she said. Um, who's telling me, you know, you should be the best at this and you should be achieving that and you should have had this by now and you, why haven't you done that? And you're responsible for the world and anybody's pain is your pain and, you know, this sort of behaviour. Yeah. And, and I've said to her, you know, like I've got to, this is great in one way because you achieve an awful lot. You, you do some horrifically big things, but it, it can also have a very detrimental effect because you never turn off, you never... Max, you never, um, you never recover. You know, any weakness is seen as, you know, being weak, and yep. that's not okay. You're not allowed to be weak. You're not allowed to be vulnerable. All of those sort of things. So it's been interesting to examine these from an observer's point of view, these parts of your personality, and she gets to, you to try to speak. What is it that the critic's wanting to do? Why is he there? What's his job? What's you know, he's obviously trying to protect you in some way, but um, it's a very interesting process to go through and to start to understand, oh, so that's, you know, because we often, you know, people will say to me, you know, say things like, 
or would you like to go to the movies or something? And you go, well, a part of me would like to go, but the other part of me doesn't. And this is the thing that's going on, the conflict that's going on constantly in our heads. Part of you does want to, and the other part's going, but you should be doing your homework or you should be going for that run. Um, so it's understanding those, the roles of those different people in your head, if you like, um, and then how to work through those and how to, to work it out of the system, so to speak. So I mean, it's all different approaches for the same goal of, you know, getting to a place of more joy, of more gratitude, of more self-acceptance, of self-love, and still, and this is the hard bit, and still achieving great things and not uh, missing your entire potential, you know? Totally. Like, I think one of the biggest fears I have is, is not having the bigger impact, as big an impact in the world as I want to have and getting to the end of my days and going, well, what did you achieve? And you're going, well, uh, <laughs> you know, I didn't really push myself. I didn't really do much or something. That would be, for me, you know, not, not an outcome that I want. Um, and therefore, you're constantly in this, in this state of striving. Uh, so that's a really, it's a really hard balancing act. And, and it's, I, a high, it's a hard balance, but there's uh, things that I question as well is, do we need to work harder to achieve more? You know, and, and that's, that's something that I've kind of started to lean into and look at as well. And maybe if I'm trusting my intuition more and leaning into how I feel and if this, what I was talking about earlier is true, and it's, it's, it's true to me. It doesn't need to be. It's, that's my experience. Everybody's experience is different. But as I can start to lean in and look at that more, if I f feel and trust and, and have a courage, then maybe I can achieve the same results or even more results by not working as hard. Because I might have a belief that I have to work extremely hard just to get a, a bit of a result. Yes. Yeah. You know? And it's not to say I shy away from hard work. Far from it. When I'm on, I'm on. Like I'm, I, I'm, I, I go hard. Like when I run my retreat in a few weeks, you know, for four days, I'm just going to be, I'll, I'll probably not sleep. <laughs> Seriously, you know. But so there's this, these elements, and and it's fine as as I find these states, you start to have a deeper connection with the self, and you start to play around with this more, and you start to go, oh, maybe that's actually a belief. I'm, I'm maybe that's. I've equaled this to be true, but is that true? Yeah. That's the greatest question I think we can ask ourselves. What, is this real right now? Our feelings can feel like life or death sometimes. Yeah. All we're trying to do is avoid a certain way to feel, which looking back blows my mind because that was me for 30 odd years. <laughs> but if we learn to sit with them and explore them and, and actually go and even name them, yes. go, oh, there's my anxiety, there's my... You know, like, just like the person yeah. saying, yeah, like, so you have all these things going on, but becoming the observer is a skill. Mm -hmm. And I think it's one of the greatest skills that you can have because as we unravel the self more and more, you know, each day is, is made up of just subconscious choices generally or cho conscious choices depending on. And we generally make... We, we tend to stick to the same choices and patterns quite often because that's how we, that equals that. So I'm going to do that. Yeah. But, but as we learn to look at this work more and we, we, we can start making very conscious choices with thought behind them more as opposed to that automated response 
from the critic, from the fireman, from whoever. Yeah. And, and, and then we interject and we start breaking the cycles. And then we can start to bring new meaning into an old uh, meaning or incident or, or whatever might have happened or occurred. Yeah, and we can start to create new stories and new beliefs and break free of those. Yeah, because, you know, like I think we're all sort of trained or most of us are trained that, you know, you've got to work hard to succeed and that the harder you work, the more you will succeed. And that is definitely not always the case, you know. Not that you can be lazy and succeed because you won't. No, no, absolutely. No, sitting on the car, you know. And, and I think as well, you, you, you kind of get momentum both ways and you know if there's always a debt to pay off i think as well so you know like if you've been eating a crappy diet for 15 years and you've consciously just gone what have i been doing you know it takes time to shift that from one side to the other it's just we we all we've done is shifted our awareness okay. <laughs> or, 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 learn, or learn something more about what so we perceived it one way and now i'm starting to perceive it the other like it will take effort and, and work, but as as you learn this work more and more, you can kind of kind of really start to hone in on the things that really matter. I think, mm. you know, and and a lot of that comes into what our heart desires and, and what we want. I mean, if you stop people, you know, if you are, you know, I always question, well, what is it I really want when I look back at the end of my life? I know it's to know I've loved deeply and connected and and being a good person you know like strong values but yet we we can kind of skip all that in the in the state of just striving yeah you know or and the uh, bank account or the, how big your house is or yeah money. yeah i can tell you I, I a quick story when i when i was um just starting 180 and i was in this cast i was in a lot like i was in a lot of debt because of the stock trade and for three years i just couldn't get out of this hole and, and, and I had to accept being in my 30s, not in a great place, but I had friends around me, with me that were financially set for life in their 30s. And, and, I, and my self-worth was really small at this point. And I used to, there was a great big hill in Kuji, and, all, my, and I, all I had was a push bike to get around in. Five days a week, I'd cycle this thing. I'd be in and out of the city from from the, um, the eastern suburbs of Sydney, and there's this really steep hill. And I used to tuddy down as low as I could get to get as much speed as I could, and I could smell the ocean breeze, and it was just hitting me. And I, it would be quite often late at night, and I would love this because there was no one on the road, and I used to imagine it was a red Ducati. Right? <laughs> and I'd be like going as far, and I was like, oh, imagine what this would feel like and, and be a red Ducati. So when... When 180 got to the business task for awards, and all, what do you think I went and bought? A Ducati. <laughs> a red Ducati. <laughs> now, now, after a week or two, that Ducati was nice, but it, it still didn't fulfill. It didn't fulfill me in that, it, and it was like I've achieved this goal now. Wow! I, I actually spent years and years and years dreaming of this day. Yeah. Like years, and I and I know. I trust me. I know what it's like to suffer with, with, no, with money. Yeah. no money and not much going on. You know, and have my girlfriend walk out of me after eighteen months, and um, you know, just just everything implode. And then I had this these elements, and I'm like, 
I'm actually not that much happier. <laughs> so what is it? Like, like, and that's the question. Like, that's, the, that's where the investigation needs to go and the inquiries need to go. You know, and having that context was an extremely valuable lesson for me. You know, because it's allowing me to, to slow that, that, that strive, that, that thing. Yes, absolutely, I'd love to live, you know, I live in a great place and it's beautiful and everything. But those experiences have taught me a lot of what really matters. And because I've had that experience, yeah. it, it brings new meaning and, and gives me context. Yes. And I think sometimes we need to go through the, the hardships in life. So years from now, like one of the best sayings I've ever heard, a memory without the emotional charge is called wisdom. <laughs> right? So, so, so we can start to have that wisdom and look back upon our life with a, and bring it different meaning, you know, and all these experiences, I look at them now as just an opportunity for us to start to grow in different ways and look at it. And if we are in the present moment, if we are here right now, then if we're striving for something, that means we're not here right now. Yeah. We're, not, we're not embracing this moment. And of course, you know, we live in the Western world. There's a, there's a reality to it, but I think there's, there's a dance, there's something magical. And as you learn to work with this work more, it becomes more of your own reality mm. over that time. So you're not wishing your life away to get to that point and then getting there, like with your red Ducati and going, well, that wasn't actually what, that didn't fulfill me like I thought it would fulfill me. Mm. No, don't. I mean, I think there's a certain level that we all need our, meet, our needs met. We need to be able to totally. get Debt. We need to be, you know, have a roof over our heads and warmth and, and clothes to wear and, you know, a few nice things and stuff. But we don't, um, and I think if they're not being met, then you're very, very desperate and you're going to do whatever it takes. Yeah. Beyond that, though, there, you know, um, just being motivated by money for money's sake, I don't think that actually leads to very much. I don't think it leads to much personal growth at all. I think it might, you know, a big a big bank account might be nice. What it does equal often is freedom to have the time to be able to, you know, to search for your because you're not in that survival state all the time, which is a very hard state to be in. Um, and you know, I've certainly been there. I lost everything at 38. Lost my business, my husband, my the country I was living with. Came back to New Zealand at 38 with zero. Back at square one, you know moved into mum and daddy's spare bedroom again and rebuilt my life again. And that, so I know what it's like to lose everything and, and to have nothing. But I think just striving for money for money's sake isn't, isn't the answer. And material stuff isn't going to make us happy. Beyond the existing, like, you know, beyond the actual survival stuff, you know, I mean, if you're fighting for food and you haven't got enough to feed your children or whatever, you're going to fight like crazy. Of course. Whatever you're going to get. But when you get to a certain level, then then it's not going to be the only motivating factor. Mm. You know? So, well, Guy, I think we've um, gone everywhere in this podcast once again, as I knew we would. And I'd like to have another conversation with you maybe in six months' time um, and, and just see where, where our learnings have taken us. Because this is really a conversation between two students of the world and the latest in technology and the latest in neuroscience and the latest in 
heart math and the, you know all of these amazing things it's not like we've got the answers to everything totally. um, but i think if, if people were to take say a few things away from today what would you want them to go and do i mean meditation obviously um but tell us a little you know if you gave me three key learnings from today if i put you on the spot um what would they be um i think i i think start a gratitude practice and don't just do it in theory like really embody it and feel it and start sending a very different signal to every cell in your body because the nervous system is a filter like we said to the way you perceive everything and that's going to teach you to start cultivating emotions and feelings from the inside out and not stop waiting for an external circumstance to fulfill your needs and make you be happy because yep. if you're doing that then right now you're coming from a place of lack i believe yes. so and if you are always coming from a place of lack then how much is ever going to be enough so i would say start practicing that if people want to practice that i have a free meditation it's seven minutes long yeah we don't yeah, just back on my website, guylawrence.com.au. Mm -hmm. And um, they can just download that and start practicing breathing into the heart every day and going through that. And do it when you most don't want to do it because that means it's really going to interrupt your stress responses. You know, so that's a great, that's, that's the first thing I would do. The second thing I would do is that would be really practical is maybe you have post-it notes or something inspiring littered around where you spend most of, most of your time you know it could even be the question is is this real right now so we run 95 percent of the day from the subconscious mm. and we're we're always in an automated behavior honestly even our thoughts are generally repetitive daily um and the, according to the model of psychology over 70 percent of them are negative so we constantly talk to ourselves a certain way. Yeah. And I think one of the greatest gifts you can give yourself is to really start to inquire if it's true or not. How are you talking to yourself? How, how, how are you making yourself feel? Are you putting yourself down a lot? Are you being hard or self-critical on yourself? Is that the truth? Is that necessary? I'm sure there's other people in your life that would see you very differently mm. and see the the potential and the beauty and the truth of who you really are, you know, but do you see that yourself? So I would start to then just be aware of that. And like I said, if you have, can have mental cues littered everywhere, it's going to remind you, am I conscious right now? Or am I just running on subconscious patterns? Yeah. You know? Yeah. yeah. And then, and then thirdly, my suggestion would be, you know, if even if I've said things that might stretch your beliefs, your imagination, whether you think it's, you know, right or wrong, it doesn't matter. It's all our individual journey. And I think one of the greatest gifts I've given myself is that beginner's mind is to try and have a childlike curiosity to things mm -hmm. and stop acting and behaving like I know it all. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and the next time some, you hear something, that challenges the current, your current status quo, your current behavior. Instead of reacting a certain way and dismissing it, maybe sit with it for a while and inquire about it and look at it. Because we can look for evidence, positive or negative, in anything. And we generally 
look for the evidence on the way we're actually feeling fundamentally underneath. Yeah. So inquire about that too. There's and may, maybe do something different. Maybe look at something different. Maybe listen to something different. Maybe shake up your routine a bit and, and maybe have a beginner's mind for a while. What, what's that lose? Would you rather be happy or right? You know, and uh, these days I just rather be much, ha I just want to be happy. <laughs> yeah. And, and I'm going back to being a child sometimes. I think, you know, having time for play and having time to be just stupid and not have. We don't have to take it all so serious, you know? Being adults for five minutes. Yeah. And, and then if you want to go really deep with this stuff and go all in, and there's plenty of things. Like I said, we do retreats and all sorts. So. And uh, an online program as well. Guylawrence.com.au. Yeah. So Lawrence is spelled L-A-W-R-E-N-C-E. Guylawrence.com.au is where you can find out about your retreats uh, and all the work you do. You also have a four-week program online um, that where you work with people um, and, you know, people can check that out. And you do an awful lot of work around this area. And I'm, I'm hoping, Guy, that one day we get to work together in some way, shape, or form at some seminar or some, I don't know, whatever it'll be. But the universe will decide for us and tell us what we're doing. Um, but I just wanted to thank you for today. Um, it's been um, fantastic to connect with you. Um, yeah, thanks again to Kerwin for um, inadvertently connecting us. This is funny how 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 synchronicity happens, right? You, you totally. go down one path and that leads to that person and that person, and then oh, it's just it's just bizarre. It's amazing. Um, and your work and, and what you do and your the vibe that you put out in the world is just fabulous, guys. So thank you very much for being on the show today. Greatly appreciate it. Thank you.